0: Welcome to the Let's See Grandma the Let's Career Let's see Warrior, Grandma Warrior, Warrior, Podcast. Warrior Podcast. All right, welcome to the 61st episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Can I get a whoop, 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 whoop? Can I get a... All right, enough tackiness here. Today we're going to cover sleep, which is probably the most underrated topic ever We cannot properly function without sleep. It's just one of the most important things. And this is part two of our More Energy at Work series. The whole premise of the series is if we're not feeling our best, if we're feeling like crap, like we're in a fog all day, we're not going to bring our best. We're not going to get the promotion and we're not going to get that dream job we want if that's what we're seeking. And how could we not cover sleep because it is just everything here? Sleep is responsible for boosting our alertness levels and ensuring that our neurotransmitters, so let's talk dopamine, cortisol, and serotonin, are all in balance. When we are getting enough sleep, our dopamine stays high. Our dopamine is our feel-good, go-out-rah-rah-and-do-it neurotransmitter, and our cortisol, which is our stress neurotransmitter, stays in check. When we are not getting the right amount of sleep, we are feeling depressed, anxious, and unmotivated. Let's just apply this to work just for one second. Let's say you're coming in on Monday morning. You are not feeling like your best self. How often do we go through this? In fact, about 73% of Americans are not getting enough sleep. And the average American is sleeping an hour less than a generation ago. So it's no wonder why we are in this cursed situation here where we are just chasing energy over and over and over again. My goal with this short and sweet episode is to tell you all what you can start doing today to improve your levels of sleep, to take your energy up five notches. So, if you're feeling like a five out of 10, you should be feeling like a 10 out of 10 at the end of the month. If you're feeling like a really terrible two out of 10, you should be feeling like a seven. Quick disclaimer here, just know that I'm not your doctor, and if you really do have some issues, some deep underlying things, to make sure to go see your doctor, so if you're feeling really bad, um, I am not liable or responsible for your health. At the end of the day, that's you. This is just some of my personal experience, and what I've done is gone out and done a lot of research, and so my goal with this episode is to translate that research to you. Just to kind of draw it in, this is a part two. If you missed part one, we covered nutrition there and the types of things that you should be eating in order to feel your best self. <laughs> just going to give everyone a quick update on what my experience was. I'm doing this challenge right here with you. Um, the last seven days, I have committed myself to reducing my level of processed carbohydrates and increasing the veggies. And I'll just tell you right now, for me, it was a lot easier than the first time I did it around. Did it because... I had done this before, and so I was in the habit of uh, doing these things. However, it still was pretty hard. I was off to Jamaica with my family to celebrate our sister's graduation. And let me just tell you, it was really tempting out there to try and stay in check when it came to nutrition. I just remember coming in the first day and uh, we were greeted with a glass of champagne and it was awesome. And then after that, there was a bar and it was an all you can drink situation. So there was no cap, there was no bar tab or anything like that. So, as you can imagine, I probably had a little too much to drink. And that's if we're being completely honest here. And I'll just tell you, it just shot my energy the next day and the day after that, surprisingly. But I will tell you, having the amount of veggies and good complex carbohydrates did make up for it. And so, I felt a lot better than I did originally. Really, what I believe is that sleep is the missing piece here. So, I rocked about... You know, I had five out of 10 days, I had six out of 10 days, and I had some eight out of 10 days in which I felt really good. But I think for me, sleep is what the missing piece is because you can't have one without having the other. They're both very closely tied up. Let's talk about how you can start feeling better. This is a crash course. There is truly a lot to cover within the realm of sleep. Um, Just from doing my research um, the other day, I felt very overwhelmed because there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. And I'm gonna try to cover the most important things that can start getting you to feel better day by day. But just know that we are gonna cover this again in a later episode. And I'm going to drop some URLs in the description below so that way you can do more research if you want to know more. All right, sleep, let's talk about it. This should be focus number one because if you keep this in mind, then you will be motivated to keep all the other stuff in place. You're going to want to exercise. You're going to want to eat well. You're going to want to meditate and find meaning within your work. I really think that this is foundational principle number one. The goal, and I'll tell you right now, stop whatever you're doing. If your mind is in the la-la land, bring it back here because what I'm about to tell you right now, you need to understand fully. You need to do whatever is in your best interest to get optimum hours of cool, dark, uninterrupted sleep. I'll say it again one more time, guys. You need to do whatever you can to get your optimum hours of cool, dark, uninterrupted sleep and do it consistently throughout the week. And I'm going to unpack exactly what that means because each one of those words I picked out specifically from doing this research, and this comes from a variety of research, including the legendary Cornell sleep researcher, Dr. James Moss, who wrote the book Power Sleep and even coined the term Power Nap. All right, so let's talk about optimum hours. I could tell every single person on this podcast that you need eight hours of sleep, but that would just not be true. In fact, it really depends on the age we're at right now, and it just depends on our genetics in general. But I will tell you, just as a starting point, most adults require anywhere between 7.5 to 9 hours of nocturnal sleep. And this comes directly from Dr. James Moss's blog. The first step in rectifying an irregular sleep schedule and reclaiming a sound night's sleep is simply determining how much sleep you should be getting each night, a figure referred to as your personal sleep quotient. Most adults require anywhere between 7.5 and 9 hours of nocturnal sleep. But the specific amount required by a given individual depends on genetic predisposition, level of physical activity, metabolic rate, and even gender. So I'll just comment right now on how I was able to find my personal sleep quotient. Yes, guys, it is a real thing because every single person at a given point in their lifetime does have an optimum amount of sleep. For me, it was eight hours. And so for me, what I did was I did everything I possibly could to make sure I got that eight hours of sleep night after night. And after seven days of straight sleep and realizing that this is what I needed in order to feel good and even not use an alarm clock, this is how I was able to determine my optimum hours of sleep. If my optimum hours was actually seven hours, what I might do instead is cut back on the time and go seven hours, seven days in a row, just to find out exactly how much sleep I needed. And I'll delve into how sleep cycles work because I think it's important to have an understanding of that. This is from sleep.org on learn what is really going on in your body while you're getting your Z's. Within stage one of sleep, this is when we're nodding off and our brain produces what is called alpha and theta waves. So uh, just imagine that this is a point where you're going to be easily woken up and you may actually still feel partially awake. During stage two, which is also fairly light, the brain produces increases in sleep spindles. And this is when your brain waves start to slow down. And um, according to the website, if you were to schedule a power nap, you'd want to wake up after this stage of sleep. Stages three and four, which is really what we're trying to maximize, is the beginnings of deep sleep. During stages three and four, the brain begins producing slower delta waves, and this is when your body becomes less responsive to outside stimuli. It's really tough to get woken up during this point of sleep because your brain is producing delta waves, and this is really where the restorative stage of sleep comes. At stages three and four, this is when, according to the National Sleep Foundation, our body is repairing muscles and tissues, stimulating growth and development, boosting immune function, and building up energy for the next day. So this is really the stage of sleep that we're trying to maximize. And um, your body essentially goes in in and out um, of these stages. So one, two, three, four, and then rapid eye movement. And then the cycle repeats over and over and over again. So the more of that stage three and four sleep, the more restored you're going to feel the next day. With rapid eye movement, which I just find this absolutely fascinating. Um, this is when you, you're you just, um, I call this like you doing freaky things at night, um, but your eyes will begin to shift left and right at very quick amounts of time. And the average adult has five to six REM cycles per night. And, um, and at this point, your heart rate and blood pressure will increase. Your breathing will become fast, irregular, and shallow. All right, going back to our original sentence that you should get your optimum hours of cool, dark, uninterrupted sleep. So let's talk cool. And I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash from this because I've had debates with family members and friends on the ideal temperature for when we're going to sleep. Some people say, oh, it should be really hot. You know, I really like it when it's warm. Otherwise, otherwise I'm just going to start shivering in bed. And some people say, I want it cold like an icebox i'm sure all of you are curious about what the science says and this is where i will argue this fervently until the end of my days experts suggest that bedroom temperature should be between 60 and 67 degrees fahrenheit for optimal sleep Brr! doesn't that sound really cold in fact most of my day i'm walking around in 100 degree weather because i'm in texas It's really a lot colder than what you would think because what your body does when it's trying to go to sleep is your temperature will decrease to initiate sleep. When your surrounding temperatures are also cool, then it's going to aid that body temperature decrease. But there was a study that essentially looked at how people's sleep cycles varied according to temperature and income level because they found that income level was correlated with how low the temperature would be at night. People with lower income levels didn't have the money or the resources to boost their AC at night. And they found that it was a lot harder for people to remain in deep restorative sleep when the temperatures were higher. So this to me says a lot here. All right, let's talk about light because light is such an important factor when it comes to the amount of sleep you're getting at night. In fact, light suppresses melatonin levels, and melatonin is the natural sleep hormone that is responsible for what sleep we get at night. This is probably one of the most important things to look at because we're constantly exposing ourselves to the light we never had generations ago. Our iPhones, our laptops, we're just doing really bad things to our eyes and suppressing our levels of melatonin, especially before bed. So I want to talk about what the research says, and research says that we need to make sure that when we are actually sleeping, that we have the darkest environment possible. And I'll go one step before that. According to my research here, the exposure to light not only plays an important role while we're sleeping, but it plays a very important role prior to when we go to bed. According to an article by the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, This article is entitled, Exposure to Room Light Before Bedtime Suppresses Melatonin Onset and Shortens Melatonin Duration in Humans. The article found that people who were exposed to more than five lux of light were more likely to deal with depression or have bad sleep. And in the article, they found that room light exerts a profound suppressive effect on melatonin levels and shortens the body's internal representation of night duration. Hence, chronically exposing oneself to electrical lighting in the late evening disrupts melatonin signaling and could therefore potentially impact sleep, thermoregulation, blood pressure, and glucose homeostasis. They even found that people who were exposed to higher levels of light before sleep were more likely to be diagnosed with depression. And this really blew my mind because I thought that, you know, it's one thing to make sure that your room is dark while you're sleeping but beforehand i never really heard of that but after doing research on article or article and even in my own personal experience of being in a darker environment um, it really did make me feel more like going to sleep versus just going out and just exposing myself to high levels of light through my laptop or iphone if you're trying to get good sleep ladies and gentlemen make sure that you prime yourself by being in a dark environment So let's talk about consistency. Have you ever been going to bed at the same time, day after day after day, and then all of a sudden you try to go to bed hours earlier? You just can't do it. And that's because our bodies operate on these circadian rhythms. Our bodies follow a clock. It's one thing to get eight hours of uninterrupted sleep um, sporadically, but it's another thing to be consistent. So my goal with this is to make sure that we have seven days straight of uninterrupted sleep, you know, come up with a time right now that works for you, for you to get to sleep. Um, make sure you are able to do it consistently. Um, it's I know it's easy to burn out when you decide to go to bed early every single night, but pick a time that's going to work for you. The science says that having consistent sleep will help you out a lot. So this really was an introductory crash course on sleep and what we need to do in order to make sure that we get good sleep. However, this doesn't cover a lot of the how. In fact, I think getting eight hours of cool, dark, uninterrupted sleep is really tough. And I'm just speaking from experience. Life gets in the way going to events that are later. And in our next episode, we're actually going to cover how to tactically deal with these things. So we'll talk social media. We'll talk alcohol. We will talk events and um, other things like that that may interrupt our sleep. And we're also going to talk a little bit about drugs, sleep drugs. I know are a thing here and I know it's some crazy statistic, like millions and millions of Americans are on sleep drugs and it's really not a good thing because they can interrupt your levels of sleep as well and be detrimental to your health. And we'll also cover things like supplements, including melatonin and some teas. I really like that will help out and you can look forward to that episode on Thursday here. But I really want all of us to do a good job with this and commit to this because we are going to feel a lot better after we commit to it. So like I said in the beginning of this 30-day challenge, I want all of us to write how we feel on a scale of 1 to 10 every single day. I have been doing it myself, and I will tell you, it has been a game changer for my levels of self-awareness because so many times, so many times of the day, we are not even realizing how we feel. So write how we feel on a scale of one to 10. Make sure to send me a request on LinkedIn. I'm Chris VNWeba CPRW. Write me a little note on what podcast episode is your favorite so far. And I would love to hear from you. All right, this concludes our 61st episode. So much to delve into for the future. And I look forward to what we're gonna learn next time. And for more on your job search, make sure to check out letseatgrandma.com. That's where you can find our blog, where we post the podcast show notes and so many more articles that will help you in your job search. You can also check out our resume services if you are interested in getting your resume professionally reworked. And please make sure to show us some love by jumping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating. The support from my fellow warriors will show the world how great this podcast is and help other people in their job search. Pay it forward. Thanks guys for being true warriors and thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week.